Romans, fellow Romans, uh, welcome to the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we take the movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always by my friend, co-host, and man who just loves touching that wheat a bit too much, Alex Dandino. <laughs> All right, guys, before today's final tale of a moor lost uh <laughs> we have a little business people it is official we are on patreon uh that is patreon.com slash film alchemist pod it's the absolute best way to help the show it's the absolute best way to make the show exactly what you want right rome is an idea so is the film alchemist podcast get in here and help us out guys for as little as a dollar a month and we assure you every single dollar is greatly appreciated you can join our community uh meet the people that we already have uh gathered in the big tent over here as you climb the official highlander tier ranking systems you can select the movies specifically that you'd like us to discuss in a patreon exclusive library so again that's patreon.com slash film alchemist pod it means the world to us that you guys are supporting us like you do thank you for those of you who are already with us thank you for those of you who are about to as well make sure you subscribe on youtube uh the channel is film alchemist if you want to see our lovely faces we'll peel the helmet off and blow your mind over on youtube film alchemist uh the email film alchemist pod at gmail.com we're on all the socials you're on. We're easy to get a hold of. We love to hear from you guys. Reach on out. Reach on out. We're always there. Guys, something easy, cheap, free you can do. Not cheap, totally free. Wherever you're listening to the pod, please leave us a five-star rating and review. It does help us defeat the algorithmic incestual Caesar that's holding us down. Helps us get out to more of our fellow Romans that need to hear this. <laughs> all right. Enough of that. We put out a poll for our friends and patrons. Uh, for the Jesus end of Christ. our month of Amour, yes. the pod is the locked way, and lost. Month of Amour. Just How fucking dare you? Put that out there. How dare you? Month of Let Amour. Let me finish the context before we bicker. The month of Amour, right? February, the month of Amour. The pod is loved and lost is the theme. Of all the movies selected, it looked like Pet Cemetery was going to win. But no, Gladiator won. I think you could argue that this movie has more romance. Don't even finish Death sentence. becomes her. So I will not be letting Gladiator, one of the greatest movies ever, be impugned for its lack of romance. This movie is all about the things you love. I don't have a problem with the romantic angle you've taken what i have a problem with is we're wasting it in this month rather than putting it in something awesome how dare you uh i think this you is a movie almost that is... ruined pet cemetery and now you've done this but <laughs> how dare you your failings as a co-host are mine as a father <laughs> <laughs> all right that so that's was, what happened that one's for the youtube folks yeah the patrons chose gladiator and god damn am i glad i did it's I, been a actually, while since too. i've watched this, this really um good. gladiator's been one of those movies that i've used as a bar since i saw it right where i say you can make a movie as good as gladiator I don't think there's a level of filmmaking beyond Gladiator. It's just a movie that, for me, just does everything right. Uh, every element of cinema that you could love is represented here, and usually to its greatest degree. It is a movie that feels big and still maintains an authenticity. Uh, it is a somewhat action set piece movie with just this wonderfully taut, emotional inner turmoil throughout uh it is vile and depressing in its actions but yet wildly aspirational um in my mind gladiator does pretty much nothing wrong it is one of my favorite films of all time and i would say it's weird because this feels like the super version of an uncle movie as i call him right those like middle-aged guy <laughs> movies that were yeah. dominating the 90s where it's like just a little too much talk about CIA yeah. 
You know, there's like this contingency of movies that are specifically yeah. built for forty year old men. That yeah, were released between like ninety seven like and ninety that. Yeah, but it hits for all audiences, right? Um, clearly a beloved movie, so I'm not you know saying anything that people don't know. I just I I think it's truly wonderful. And then at the middle of it, you just have these fucking two black holes colliding, right? Two performances so amazing. Yeah. That they are just drawn to each other and just a wonderful fucking climax. Uh, Alex, opening thoughts on Gladiator. Yeah, I mean, you said all the stuff I would say. Honestly, it's I I, I this is one of those movies that I like my dad and I shared this very like he took me to the movies a lot when I was young. And so like we both went to the movies. He, this was always our thing. Like he liked going to the movies. So like one of my like very favorite memories is my dad waking me up at 10 o'clock at night and saying like, Hey, do you want to go see independence day? That was, this was the, and I was, it was 96. <laughs> I was living in Noblesville, Indiana. Represent. And he, and he woke me up at <laughs> 10 o'clock at night and he was like, let's go see independence day. I'm like, when it's like, now it's, it's the screenings at 11:45. I'm like, I have school tomorrow, and he's like, "So, you go later, whatever. I don't care." And he, we we went and saw Independence Day. This was one of those movies where we were in we were in Elkhart seeing family, and both of us were trying to figure out a way to get out of the house without <laughs> pissing everyone off, as we often do. With as much yeah. as I love my family from Elkhart, we often have to leave the house to recharge our batteries and this i'm assuming was... they're not patrons at this point <laughs> and this was one of the movies like th- this and gangs of new york were two movies we saw in the theaters at that same theater if you want to listen to the fountain podcast from this month that's uh we saw at the same theater um it was and it's just it's the same experience i have every single time i watch this like it's an incredible movie i forget how it opens every single time i don't know why because it's awesome I absolutely forget, and every time I'm just fucking dumbstruck. It's such a great opening, and it sets the tone for everything. And then, yeah, like yeah. these performances are just like I, this is this is the role that I remember Richard Harris for. Besides Orca, this is the role I remember Richard well, Harris for, and it's not, not fair and, and to not set any Richard Harris role on a collision course with Orca because it loses. But this is like older Richard Harris. This is the role I remember him for much more than Dumbledore and the first two Harry Potter movies. Like he's he's on screen for maybe eleven minutes. He's so fucking good, man. Yeah, I mean, and there's not a bad performance in the whole thing. I don't want to insult my Potter fans. I love Potter, but I would never denigrate Gladiator by comparing Harry Potter to it cinematically. No, but he plays the Caesar in this, the way that you wished he had played Dumbledore in the Harry Potter. No, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. But again, this opening, right? Cause I think so many of us, the things that are so solidified in our mind, right? These giant monolithic moments, right? That we carve giant stone tributes to from this movie happen in the gladiatorial phase. Right. The opening of this film, though, besides from the action just being wonderful, right? Mm-hmm. And not only that, but the action is this, you know, large, technologically Huge. advanced uh, Roman force just steamrolling these free men, right? Dude, um, real. This is another thing that I didn't realize because uh, I also because like the like the Roman stuff, the stuff in Rome is very much CGI. The forest was real, cleared yeah. out whole shit. Like that is like, and this is two thousand. Like it looks, because that's the thing, right? Gnarly, we start man. at the hand on the grain, oh, and yeah. we cut to this muddy, just miserable fucking battlefield, right? Yeah. And you know, Maximus sees a little bird, and he smiles. It flies away, right? And we walk through the lines of him getting respect, right? This is like. This is should every screenwriter should read the screenplay for Gladiator. It's uh just how you do the work. It's funny it's you how say you that. Do the work. Funny you say that. Why? Very... You don't like the screenplay for Gladiator? No, no, I do like the screenplay for Gladiator. Okay. What's fascinating is, and again, this comes from just like doing general research and reading. This script 
was not just rewritten multiple times by other writers. Yeah. Like, because it came like two weeks before they had a. It British has writer. like five or six credited writers. Not only that, <laughs> pretty much every actor on the spot came up with a lot of dialogue that, like, Russell yeah. Crowe is credited with a lot of like really popular dialogue in the movie. Like, he came up with like "At My Signal, Unleash Hell." That was him. There was like the line for his like the big speech when he reveals himself to Commodus in the middle of the movie. That line at the very end was like, and I will have my vengeance in this life or the next. Apparently, flat out refused to say it the first time he read the script. Like, he was like, I am not saying that. It makes no sense. It's a fascinating, because I agree with you. I think as far as, like, plotting and scripting, this is, like, a this is a perfect by-the-numbers thing. Like, you do not. There are movies that just try so hard to do this that can't. And it seems so simple. And it's just... This is well, like this is what the show's so about. It's so hard to visually give us this much information. Absolutely. Right? But even just watching Maximus rub his hand in the dirt, tells you this technologically advanced force is going to crush the small barbarian force. And his his friend says that wonderful line, right? People should know when they're conquered. Yeah. And he says, "Would you, Quintus? Would, you? would, I? would I?" And granted, we find out. You know, Quintus should have been called Cuntus. Sorry if that's offensive <laughs> to anyone. Uh, just the worst kind what? of a man. A little bit of yeah. a weenus. Yeah, just the worst. But that's neither here nor there, right? But you just, you're watching this inevitable march forward, right? Yeah. And you're like, that visually is telling us a lot right there. And the, the battle scene is just gnarly and brutal. Awesome. He actually does some kind of... It felt very Danny Boyle looking back on it, right? Yeah, He's there's kind a lot of, like, of there's a lot of delayed like, frame rates and shit. Yeah, there's now. a lot of like forty five frames per second stuff, and it's it is very Danny Boyle's a good way to put it. It's very and much Ridley like, Scott is a more playful yeah. director than I think people remember him as at times. But it even with yeah. that, it still feels very authentic, right? Yeah. But there like there's a small beat, right? So there's a gigantic barbarian who's just mashing people with this rock on a stick, right? Not That's quite it. a hammer. No, no, it's like and a you're rock like on a stick. okay. Like, in a movie, we're going to fucking go and have the showdown. That dude just dies unceremoniously, even though he got, like, five shots. No, like, five. And you're like, that's visually telling us there is no fighting the system, right? There's no Mm -hmm. fighting the man when he comes. And in those sorts of things, right? And then when we get to the scene when, uh, you know, Commodus finally shows up and rides to the front, you know, did I miss the battle? You've missed the war. You've missed the war. And... Just the editing and the directing of where people's eyes are. Because right now, Maximus has no interest in what is happening. He welcomes Commodus as a friend. They're about to do their politics shit, and I'm going to go farm. But if you watch the way they're making us look at who's looking at who, you see the fucking daggers already being drawn, right? And it's just, it it's wonderful how they lay out so much and granted also he's got an awesome war dog that dives through flames just fucking cool in every frame too yeah um one of the things i was struck by watching it this time right maximus has so many chances in this movie Mm -hmm. to not take up the fight right and it, it harkens back to that moment when he's talking to the caesar and he's just like, you know, I want to be a farmer, man. There's no one left to fight. And the Caesar says there's always someone left to fight. Whether that be ourselves, whatever, right? It's just a great line because it's seemingly true. In that moment, he could have said, no, I don't want to be the protector of Rome. I really want to yeah. see my wife and kids. Later after Comitus's treachery, right? He could have just shaken his fucking hand. Now... I think it would be a a reasonable thing to say that that might not have been a guarantee of safety, but he could have just gone along with it, right? I mean, I would say actually it made the movie a lot less, lot more boring based on what we got. Well, right, but I'm saying (laughs) in the context of the character, right? I think one of the things I had forgotten about the movie is how many chances that Maximus and Commodus both refuse to lay down yeah. this fight and just make the obvious choice, right? 
Maximus has an easy line to kill Commodus at one point and doesn't because of a child. Right. Commodus could easily just fucking kill Maximus after the first day of the games. Yeah. But he refuses. There is a, what is fun watching it this time after that first speech, right? There is a, almost this morality tale of watching these men suffer through their own versions of hell and even the sister as the movie goes on. Uh, what did you make of the kind of introduction of the politic and the refusal to walk away segment of this movie? I'm not sure I would have characterized it as like their own version of hell, I guess. Like, I think this is the first time I've actually really, cause for me, it's just a revenge fantasy. Like that's what the movie yeah. is. It's a, like, that's the core of the film is a revenge story. I'm not sure I've ever noticed or cared enough about, and I, the, I don't know. This just goes to like the power of Ridley Scott as a filmmaker. I'm not sure I've ever noticed or cared enough to like really pay attention to the actual like political intrigue that goes on in this movie. <laughs> Cause it's like, it's almost pointless if you're following uh, Maximus's story. Like you're like, I don't care about any yeah. of this. Like, it makes the ending more impactful when you, because like I always thought the ending was the weakest part of the movie, not the final battle, but like the way it ends, you're just like, all right, well, cool, that's the end of that guy's life, and Rome goes on, and because like, you don't see the but, flowing fountain of a moor. Okay, we're not getting into that. <laughs> but no, um, the reason I would say that is because I've never really paid a lot of attention to the actual political intrigue that occurs yeah. throughout the movie before. This time around, I really wanted to, like, that is the thing I really wanted to lock into because, look, we all know the great scenes in this movie. There's nothing that's going to surprise you regarding that. What I was more surprised by was that these men chose the exact, like, these men chose the exact thing. Like, Maximus chooses, because he says it in this, he's like, that's exactly why you need to run Rome because you don't want to. It's like, okay, so an unwilling leader is someone who can be an emperor. Like, I think that's like, that's the message that Marcus Aurelius is trying to give to Com to Commodus and Maximus. It's like, yeah. the reason Commodus can't rule is not because he's not a moral man. It's because he wants it. He's ambitious. Just like Commodus says, yeah. I have ambition. That's well, what it's makes the same him thing, right? If you live in a neighborhood and you know, someone who really wants to be part of the HOA board, they're going to be a problem. They're a problem. Yeah. They're a problem because they exactly want to fuck your shit up. That's so, who it is. Yeah. <laughs> Max, so Maximus's decision to not just, here's the thing. Maximus, this is a, Maximus's decision to not just ignore and say, no, I don't want to be, I don't want any part of this. But not only that, to, I like him shaking, like brushing off Commodus after what's happened and not shaking his hand. That is always a very fascinating choice to me because I think that's like that's the straw that breaks the camel's back because and you could just avoid you could avoid that entirely. Like Yeah. Obviously you know, you have a plot reason for making it happen right. that way, but it's, it's the wonderful illustration that he is not corrupted by right. politics. He is completely Cuz every one of us now, right? We're politics. watching yeah. Gladiator now in a post Game of Thrones world. Yes. Where we're like, what do you do on Game of Thrones? You fucking throw a uh, innuendo and do the handshake, and then go plot how to fucking like, yeah, and then you fucking blow murder them this up guy later. Some other, yeah. yeah. That's, this if is... Maximus were of the political mind, he would be like, yeah, fuck yeah, dude, I got your back. Runs and gets his armor, and he's like, let's fuck that guy up. <laughs> Maximus's flaw as a character is that he is honorable above honorable above all else. There's absolutely nothing about Maximus that, as it as he appears from a very 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 uh surface level there is no guile in why yeah. in, the, in the way maximus decides to operate well there's an interesting dynamic with maximus that i felt more today right is one he's the soldier that seems to appreciate life a lot right, right. which is already a hard place to be when your job especially this is not modern warfare this is like i'm gonna go out and fucking kill you yeah. with the sword like when i strike you i'm gonna feel your bones and you know the right. blood will hit me i mean for him to be the man who smiles at the bird in the cold that's a lot you know so we're already setting him up there what i what i was struck by today is the caesar is giving him his spiel right about it once was an idea and if you talk about the idea it'll vanish into the wind right 
Maximus is the one who says Rome is a light, right? I've been out in the world and I've seen other places. And right. in there's a naivete there that, again, Commodus weaponizes, right? Like the, he doesn't believe that in Rome something that bad can happen to him because he's earned it, right? That this fucking man-child who has not earned it could be so treacherous, right? I... That is one of the more interesting moments of the film is that they pit this love for this father figure, right? Because he somehow grew up with them and the Caesar and all this, right? There's a whole lot of backstory that we kind of hint at. Yeah. Are we supposed to honestly believe that he cares about Rome as a light more than going back to that wife and kid, man? Because once you get on to like him racing to save them, He's right. so laser focused on that, right? Now, is that just like a a future that could never exist? So that's like the breaking of illusion. But in that moment, it's so fucking hard to watch him choose Rome. Well, and I think that that's who to to see Maximus, Maximus choose Rome. I'll see. I don't see it as that over his family when he doesn't shake that hand. And he runs to get his armor. I feel like he knows he's because he even says to his servant the scene before, right? Like we may not be going home yet. Well, he tells him to hide when uh, it's Cicero. Right. He tells Cicero to hide when Cicero. he's accosted. Who's... But it's so. Why do you think Maximus chooses Rome? I'm not sure he. This is like a rock and a hard place for a character with no guile. This is like. Again, this is a great character flaw for an honorable character. Like Maximus is really one of the last characters from a movie that is so honor that is honorable to a fault. So like he he has that line, right, with the politicians like I have the advantage of looking my enemy in the eyes, right? Mm-hmm. Like I don't have to play the tricks and shit. Right. right. And yeah. that's that he claims it as an he claims it as an advantage, but I also think it's one of his major character flaws is that his honor to a fault is what sinks him in is what sinks him in the very beginning of this movie because not only does he want to get back to his family but the only way to get back to his family in a way that's meaningful in a way that matters to him and in a way that he doesn't feel he'll be abandoning his not ban, not just abandoning Rome but abandoning his men is if he shakes that hand if he makes that deal with the devil so to speak yeah so for me Commodus is it's not sorry Maximus loves his family it's beyond reproach I I don't question that he loves his family but it's a weird moment in the film where what I'm getting at is while he loves his family honor honor is honor and strength and honor is what he all is is the guiding force in Maximus's life and Mm -hmm. so for him to say that Rome is a great light it's naive because a, that's not how everyone else see. Like, that's not that's that's how people who live outside. That's how the fucking it. barbarians view it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's all. That's naive in that way. Yeah, exactly. From that perspective as well. But also, it is. It's again. It's just. It's the great flaw in a character who is. It's the great flaw in a character who you find to be above and above reproach honorable is that not only does he love his family, but he has to do the right thing, which is. So you're not going to shake Commodus's hand. You're going to assume the worst, which not to say he was wrong, but you have to know what's coming next. And he does. But the problem is, is there's no way to avoid it. So he knows what's going to happen. And you see that then the the light that is Rome and her new emperor literally burn his house down uh, and kill his wife and kid and just the fucking... As we do the classic, you know, he gets out and he just is a fucking super badass. He's injured. He's trying to make it home, right? That scene of him seeing the feet of his wife and kid, it's just... That is fucking... That is still one of those haunting images. I And again, Ridley Scott is just like, what a choice. Like, well, it's, it's you can show it any way. It's incredible. Well, we're watching it and Amy just goes, wow, it's beautiful there. And I'm like... You won't think that in like yet. a minute. Yeah. Uh, and it's just, it's just this wonderful, relatable moment, right? Hopefully none of us have ever come home to found, find our family crucified, but we so intimately relate to that fear and worry. Yeah. 
Um, the whole I wasn't there, right? Um, yeah. It's you know, that I the, was not capable of – I wasn't capable of saving my family. It, it's just this truly powerful moment, right? And it's it's the end of – it's the death of good things in this movie, right? And it's just I, – I came back to that a lot throughout the rest of the movie. I was like, God damn it. If you had just stuck to the dream – a fucking fondling wheat. But the dream this of, doesn't but, happen. But remember, but there's the flaw, though. The I know. Dream, the dream of fondling wheat is not a dream. It is the afterlife. The only way to get there is to but see that's allow when death. you rewrite the movie at the end and you're like, oh, he was never going back to that field. That's the afterlife for him. It's fucking horrible. <laughs> It's horrible. And again, but it's a soldier's death. But it's horrible. And not only that, again, the way this plays like hell for me too, right? There's kind of a Dante's Inferno-ness to Maximus, right? He goes back to where his family's dead, he should be dead, he passes out. Now we restart the journey. And watching him become this essentially has the same job title, right? Butcher of men. But now there's not the nobility and pomp and circumstance. Very much like Rome itself, right? right? We've stripped all the fucking bullshit down and we're calling it what it is. You know, murder for well, sport. It's pageantry. Murder for money. Yeah, and it's... I, I love that that transition. It's so fucking brutal. Before right. we get ahead, right, we have to talk about the Commodus is seen with his father. I mean, that is one... Uh, I was watching that today and I was like, Maximus seeing his family is an obvious scene that works on a very powerful and deep level. Right. That, that scene with Commodus and his father is so next level. Yeah. I mean, what they're doing it, it fucking, I mean, I, I almost held my breath at the like end of it. I was so tense. I mean, it's still sh- oh, look that year. I, that scene alone wins you an Oscar. I'm sorry. Like I cannot, I, I look, and I think, oh, uh, yeah. Benicio del Toro won for traffic, but I'm sorry. Like, come on, man. Like, there no. is no way that anything. And Benicio del Toro was amazing in traffic, but that scene alone, the yeah. level of profundity and confusion and rage and compassion and sadness and love that goes not just between those two actors, but everything going on on Joaquin Phoenix's face. You're just like, this man like that was the i think that might have been that was probably maybe i saw inventing the abbots but like that is the first memory i have of joaquin phoenix in a movie and i'm like oh yeah I it was like that in signs and i was yeah. like oh this guy's gonna be around yeah i literally cannot imagine dude, any other I mean, he's just no because from the that moment scene alone is amazing yeah from the moment his father says you will not be emperor right yeah there's this moment where as a father, he reaches out to touch his face and he recoils. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, my God. And he so just good. starts it. I mean, it's I mean, it is just two actors. They I, I care who was talking about this. Right. I was watching some interview with an actor and he's like, uh, when you get a chance to play uh, like acting tennis, right? Like really? No, it was right. Ray, Ray finds again, another Harry Potter reference. And that Harry Potter reunion thing, he talked about how much he looked forward to doing that big last scene with uh, Alan Rickman. Right. Because he's like, it's a peer. Someone I know can take me to another place. And he trusted me to do that. And we were playing like acting tennis. Mm-hmm. That's what this scene felt like, was just two actors fully exposed uh, going for it. I mean, it's the when he's you know you sent me the list of virtues and as i read it i knew i was none of them yeah. but i have other virtues you see the rage building and there's this kind of ebb and flow of waiting for the violent outburst it doesn't come it's a much more subtle where he's like growling but it's different and dude he cuz this is the thing i was like emperor caesar whatever your fucking title is you asking for it yeah, yeah asking you know for it i'm happening. like you this know guy is having the worst day of his life, right? This little <laughs> conniving weasel. Your fault, as you said. And he goes, your fault as a son is oh my, my fault as a father. father. And I was like, well, yeah, of course the next thing that's coming is a fucking throat snap, you dummy. Yeah, like, Come on, man. You know where this is again, going. 
you're not Maximus. You know better than that. Put your fucking, like, pull yourself up, you know, put your, you know, nighttime dress on and go to bed. <laughs> like, sleep it off. Don't say the fucking Don't one say thing. The things. That, but, dude, he has, and again, this is a line of wonderful movies. But when Joaquin Phoenix goes, I would, I would have butchered the whole world if only you would love me. Yeah. And that tells you everything Come you need to know about comics right there, man. Everything yeah, you need to know. That's what I'm like. This this opening bit, while again, is not where we remember most of our our fondest memories of the movie. Just fucking wonderful, man. Just beautiful fucking work. Uh, and then we jump forward, right? Uh, Maximus is captured and since uh, he's bought by bought a slaver who's going to make him a gladiator, right? Commodus is now a treacherous ass Caesar who is unraveling under the weight of being a Caesar. Um, Like, and this is now our journey. Did not even, again, this is like the stuff with the Senate versus like an actual emperor. Like I, again, this movie has been 20 years since this over 22 years since this movie came out, dude, I never even paid attention to that shit. I was so not interested in it. And like this time I was like, Oh shit! There is quite the story to tell here. Like this is not good. If like, if I like, but again, you know, it's so gladiator unimportant. sword to my head. What would I? The very first thing that would hit the cutting room floor. That everything that has to do with Republican Absolutely. senators. I literally didn't care. Like that's again, it's it's like to give Joaquin Phoenix meat. A little bit and like give him a little it, skin it in the game. It sets the stages for because this is what's really cool about the the second half is these are both characters who can no longer exist in this world. You can't be the naive like powerful great man of history and have no awareness of the cunning and all that kind of stuff, right? And Commodus is you know treachery without merit. There's only so long this is going to go, right? Like, the the dynamic... These are two dinosaurs staring at the asteroid and just don't realize it yet. And right. and so the Senate does work just fine. I'm not saying the Senate no, is wrong. It and there's probably an audience like your dad that's like, oh, immersive. Uh, you know, they dig that kind that. of shit. It's weird. Yeah, like, right. Again, your is, dad, his toga, yoga, is, got a little... Toga, yoga, toga. This is one of those things where I, again, I've never known what the political intrigue of this was other than like, well, that guy shouldn't be Caesar for sure. Like, I've never, like, yeah. I've always that thought That guy it was, seems not cool. I guess, like, I've never paid it, because again, it's like such an unimportant part of, like, enjoying this movie is understanding what this, like, subplot is with, the, like, the Senate versus the Emperor, but I've always assumed it was simply that, boy- this guy is not a good Caesar. We got to get him out of here. But how do we do that without pissing everyone off? I'm like, I thought that was the. I did well, not realize. Just in case it was the Senate wasn't doing to, that, they're like, let's go ahead and throw in a child endangerment and incest storyline. I, I literally thought it was like, are they just? I didn't realize this. Time. I was like, oh, he's just trying to trump these guys, and that's like the that's like the end of it. It's like let's get rid of this whole thing. It should just be one of us, right? Like I, it was revealing, but also. I did not care because I was very locked into my yeah. revenge revenge story. And it, it sets the stage well for his totally his his grand uh, delusion, as it were, right? True. About like I am their father, I will love them, right? Blah, Absolutely, one hundred. It does lead to that wonderful bit where the senator goes, "I think he understands these people, right? Rome is the mob. Rome's not a light. Rome's the mob. Yes, Rome's he the will mob. bring them death, and they will love him for it. Yes." Uh, and so there is a bit of like giving him some virtue, as it were, that he is this kind of cunning, conniving well, you guy. Have to, it can't just be a bad guy, a good bad guy, particularly someone like Commodus, has to believe they're doing the right thing. And there is a level of doing There's the right thing. There's a moment of that. I, I think this movie stretches that to the furthest because he's a great bad guy. He is. But I, I don't also, know that you could ever say in his heart that he really. I think he's doing what rulers have always done, which is think they're. Yeah. They're, the interest is not in like the interest. They they yeah. like disguise it as the interest of the people, but it's theirs. 
That's true. I mean, it, it's it's definitely it fathomable is. that he thinks he's better than everyone else. Of course. Because he's been not the star his whole life. That's fair. Yeah. All right. So then we, gotta get, we, we gotta go get to, to the Gladiator Arena, and mm. it is wonderful. Who buys our friend Maximus but what one suntanned to the Just, edge I mean. of believability? Oliver Reed, the fucking oh. king of kings. Uh, the man that I want to be when I grow up. Fucking Oliver Reed. The man we watched get an entire town into an orgy. Yeah. In the Devils. Is now on, pumping out gladiators. Yeah, they had to rename the town Lubdon after he became the fucking cardinal. Uh, yeah, the no. The man who Oliver killed an Reed. alligator on camera. Talk about... Who could be a better character to put into the, I've been there. I've seen everything you've seen. I mean, and look at me. That For first... Russell fucking Crow. Russell Crow is morphing into a more angry, less interesting Oliver Reed as he ages. I, I love it. it making me, I mean, other than being not tan enough, it makes me so happy. It's I, He's so fucking good. Because, again, really fucking small character. Yeah. But Oliver Reed is feasting in this fucking movie right oh i, think I always oliver... think of the scene when he sends uh maximus away and he's like learn from me harness the crowd and you'll be invincible or whatever there's just a moment when he's like take him away back to the fucking you know meat pit and oliver reed does this like hailing himself to the sun and we just see his like old man naked body outline under so the good. like cloth and i was like he is so wrapped up in this yeah and oliver reed is just a fucking powerhouse I but mean... His 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 proximo in this, it's so good, man. It's like, so fucking good. It's un it's an unparalleled supporting character. Like the moments, there there's like two things that he, I, I always think about it for, for the one thing was uh, the for, like the two like big moments he has with Maximus, where. The first thing was I always love this reaction is when he's describing like how he got his he, he won his freedom. Proximo was a gladiator, won his freedom. And he describes meeting Marcus Aurelius. And Maximus just starts laughing. And he's like, You knew Marcus Mac, Marcus Aurelius. He's like, I did not say I knew him. I said he touched me on the shoulder once. Like yeah. it's like there's this acting choice that Oliver Reed makes that is so telling of the character, which is that it's not he might be a boastful man, but in his heart of hearts and eye to eye with another gladiator, he knows to tell the truth. Like there's something about that moment just there. I always remember. And then the other one is after he wins the, the battle of Carthage in the Coliseum. He goes, you're good Spaniard, but not that good. Like there is this, like <laughs> it's this trail off. I don't know why it always just like, it's, it's been stuck in my head yeah. for 20 years. And it's just, always I, the I like I the of. gallop he does. Right? When he goes, you were a gladiator? I was. Yes, I was. I was. Yes, he's I was. like, you fought in the Coliseum? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. <laughs> it's like he says yes, everything in like a triplet. But he's just, he's just brilliant, man. And he, this is, this is why when you find a, an older actor like Oliver Reed who hasn't been in Vogue for a while, mm -hmm. and you pull him back and you're just like, holy shit, the gravitas that we just got for this Proximo guy, right? So in this area, you're like, that could have been brian cox you know there's that feels like a very brian coxy role like a couple of those guys oh yeah totally they do this like they speak with this kind of like old man power right like listen to me son oliver reed that's not the energy he's performing with in this movie there is this he's almost like a kid who wants you to come see a super cool new clubhouse like He's protective and passionate, but the way he <laughs> talks about gladiator, like gladiatorial I arts, mean, it's, it's Shakespeare. He's seen the fucking underbelly, the darkest underbelly of humanity, right? This blood sport, but it gave him freedom, right? right? And there is this perverse, like the guy who is enslaving others to just go die, right? Like they'll feed us to the lions because the lions are worth more. That world having this like grandiose vision of why this is important yeah strangely worked um because again that's another thing you see the moment we step into the coliseum it is awe-inspiring 
and yeah. it is just hard to imagine a lot of them. You're like, holy fuck, man. People used to watch this shit like we watched Squid Games. You know, the one that always gets me is the guy, the announcer guy, because his voice is so specific. Wonderful. You, yeah. That's always the one I think is like people. This is how people had to orate. Like you had to tell a 50,000 person stadium. Yeah. With no speaker or jumbotron, what was about to fucking happen? Like, well, the the scene of that that makes me laugh is when he does his grand reveal, and he's like, "I am Marcus Alilius Malululu, Maximus Decimus Meridius." Yeah, Come Meridian, on, Prime Meridian. Yep, just keep it going. <laughs> you can't even goes, get character name rights. Yeah. Character names right now. I got Maximus. That's pretty fucking good for me. <laughs> Uh, one out of three is bad meatloaf yeah, uh, metric, but yeah, <laughs> but he goes, you know, father to a slain son and a husband to a slain wife. And he's like, by a man who's slain his father. And he lays out this whole thing and I shall have my revenge in this world. Or the other, all I could think about is that fucking wonderful scene in Monty Python's life of Brian, where they're at the service on the Mount or whatever. I know exactly. And it just, the camera about. keeps pulling further and further away from Jesus <laughs> And it's just Eric Idle like, can you fucking, what, what is he saying? What was that? Like, what? And it's like, they can't fucking hear what he's saying. Yes. This great grand moment, right? Like Woodstock without PAs is like, wait, what? And I was like, so everyone in that stadium's like, what the guy who turned his back on the emperor say? Like, you do. Okay. Like, you no do. one knows this Don't moment that, that hits us like a fucking punch in the nuts. There is someone at the very top of the Chiefs who's fuck's going on down there yeah. my god boring right like- <laughs> <laughs> it was great you and i are the fucking settler and Ward- waldorf's guys with kiss kiss, kiss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's just insane i was like what is what but yeah that that notion does really come across in that moment yeah. um because i was like he absolutely can kill him like only four people heard what up? <laughs> right? like, and those are people buying the rich people seats, so they're not going to be talking yeah, to fine. the mob. Whatever. Anywho. Uh, but yeah, man, the, the Oliver Reed stuff was great. But let's get to the Coliseum. This is how action scenes should always be done. Uh, oh, man. The Battle of Carthage is one of my all-time favorite oh my, scenes in The movie. Battle of Carthage is a fucking jaw-dropper. It's, and what I love about it is that it's not just great action, right? But great no. action, the really great action scenes, right? We talked about this with They Live, right? I can't remember who it was who said it, but it's like a fist fight is just telling a story with your fist, right? Right. So you're still imagine every punch is a line of dialogue. This scene is thrilling just in the machinations of how it all plays out. The feeling of like being in that stadium and holy shit, look at this, man. I feel like I'm in the sand. But the actual storytelling, right? Watching the men buy into Maximus, seeing him save the giant guy who goes rogue. Yeah. Uh, watching their reaction as they see strategy, right? Watching the crowd react. As history is not just repeating itself and Rome isn't getting an easy victory this day. Uh, the story building and deepening of the characters yeah. amidst this amazing fucking action. I mean, a lady gets chopped in half. Dude, that And in is... my mind, I'm like, story. You know what's funny? <laughs> when I was young, my dad, when we saw it in the theater, my dad was like, I don't think you should watch the very beginning. It's really gory. I'm like, well, yeah. how would you know? You haven't seen it either. And I'm like, Shielded my eyes. He's like, ah, oh, you know, it's not that bad. Never mind. And then we were watching Battle of Cards. Yeah. Like, that lady just got cut in half. The yeah. fuck, Dad? You are the worst. And I was like, but awesome. Yeah. My sons asked if they could watch it today. And pretty much my my kids are seven and four. And I was like, you are definitely too young. Right? Yeah. Well, like a couple weekends ago, I went to see Jackass Forever. And right. Hunter's like, can I go? And I was like, can Hunter go? And I was like trying to think. And I'm like. Do I really care if Hunter see dicks? I was like, maybe not. And then I went and saw Jackass Forever, and I was like, oh, God, no. Like, I can't yeah. bring a seven-year-old to this. I was like, it's really fun, but I was like, what would I be doing to his young mind? Like, I'm pushing him in the wrong direction. <laughs> uh, in Gladiator, I had that, like, I'm kind of glad he didn't watch this with me. Like, that is yeah. brutal carnage. Um, But, yeah, and I, it's the same thing. When they bring back the old Gladiator, right, the guy who was – the last time I saw him was fucking thwarting Jay and Silent Bob is now fighting in the Coliseum. <laughs> yes, Tigress of Gaul. Yeah, he's over there, you know, fucking putting weed in his little fucking 
Cracker Jack hat and then putting on his fucking mask. And, uh, <laughs> but even that scene is wonderful, right? He's watching this other gladiator who's come back and Maximus, you know, has to fight for, like, you're just, you learn a lot about him in the middle of these gladiator events, right? And I, yeah. the, the action is so fucking good. It's man. superb, man. Like, yeah. you, you're not going to find better. This is a Ridley Scott thing, too. Like, as he's gotten older, like, Ridley Scott, when he first came out, was the guy who gave us this mind-bending science fiction work. And as he's gone through the years, and, like, especially starting with Gladiator, he's really gone into giving us these incredible action sequences, these huge, enormous action sequences that function so well without being just, like, all-consuming, overdone. Like, I've always love it when he when he really does these action movies like they're so good man like yeah. they are i he's just done so many like he's just so good at this i don't know what it is yeah. about his visual what his, whatever his visual flair is like he just understands what we need to see when it comes to these kinds of things like there's stuff that i, I mean think a he lot is of, such a fucking steady hand yeah like there's other directors who i think would focus too much on, like because like i gotta be honest the battle of carthage which again is one of my like top five action sequences in a movie. It's like, I mean, it, it all like as far as gladiatorial movies. I mean, it's probably. I think it's it's better than Ben Her the Ben Hurt chariot race. Like, I mean, it's probably is, like this and like three scenes from Running Man. Like, there's not a lot, of <laughs> but it's this particularly like the way it is cut together. We do not focus much. We focus really tightly on Russell Crowe's face as he's ordering people around. We focus on the group itself, and then all the rest is just, like, carnage and audience reaction, which I think yeah. is, like, the key to this whole thing. And I really do love this. Commodus's reactions to oh, this man. entire thing. When he thing. has, like, that like, snake uh, tongue, like, uh, oh Yeah, you're like, God. oh, yeah. I mean, but see, that's, that's all building this extra depth. So that when he says, my name is Gladiator and turns his back. And he throws the fucking helmet down. There's this great beat where Commodus is staring at him. Yeah. And the crowd, who didn't hear any of the confession, right? <laughs> live, live. Live. Kiss. Live. Kiss. <laughs> <laughs> and all of a sudden, he's trying to shush the crowd, right? Like, shh. Yeah. Because he doesn't want to hear them telling him that he can't kill this man. Because he knows he can't. Because he's a creature of politics and facade, exactly. right? And in this moment, they're both exposed for who they truly are, right? Right. And he has to let Maximus live. And it is just such a fucking fulfilling moment, man. Um, It's one of the best speeches. Uh, a, it's one of the best, like, fuck you speeches in a movie. Like, it's... Yeah, it's pretty... It's so weird because I actually think Joaquin Phoenix's Busy Bee speech... He's such an even better fuck you, right? Because we do this little intrigue where it's like, you know, his uh, his assistant's back. They're going to set up a, a ruse, right? right. They're going to get out and run, right? Kind of this little false detour. In a movie where we know that this movie must end with them meeting in that Coliseum, right? We do this little intrigue. It's got But happen. it sets us up on this wonderful moment. When he's reading a story to his nephew and he just goes, the busy bee hurt him deeper than any. And that speech is so fucking scary. So fucking scary, man. Because you do that on top of, we forgot after he beats the mall security guy in the gladiatorial uh, showdown. Commodus comes out and is trying to bait him, and he goes, I heard your son screamed like a girl yeah. when they nailed him to the cross. And, then, like, and your wife moaned. Moaned like a whore. As she, and they as ravaged, she ravaged her. And ravaged her. And that, that like, shook me when I watched it. Um, like, shook. And I was like, the deep. But, again, that's one of those moments where Russell Crowe not taking the bait. You're like the burning super dense white hot rage at the core of this man you're like scared for commodus almost for a second you're like dude when you get it <laughs> like you're gonna fucking get it for real yeah uh but it's just like that that ebb and flow of how they continually keep getting the high tensions from those 
emotional soliloquies is wonderful, right? And then the showdown for this movie, I I, I think it's a strange choice, but it's, it's a wonderful one, right? The idea that this movie ends with Commodus somehow believing that he should step in the ring with this fucking death merchant. <laughs> right? And all he does is stab him with the fucking unicorn horn from legend. And then is immediately like, drag him up. I'm like, you got to do more than that. You got to secure the bag a little more. Like give him like a rubber, like sword, like a cartoon sword, like Roger rabbit, something. Yeah. Cause the thought that Commodus is like, I'm going to get in the ring with this guy, even like a one-armed version of him, and I'll fuck him up. I know we saw him shirtless doing his like sword dance training at the start of the movie. This man is a fucking general, a mass murderer. Right. Who has, like we saw it early in the film when his own soldier couldn't get his sword out, and he's like, the frost sometimes. The frost this sometimes. man has seen it all. Yeah. If there's a trick... He knows it. This is a man who's had to dig down, pull himself out of blood and guts and dirt and fight to survive. And you think in your fucking Liberace (laughs) white fucking cloak, you're going to come down there like a fucking showman. Oh, yeah. And take this dude on. What did you make of that decision? I mean, it's. Pride cometh before the fall. I love, I, I love, I love that beat because not only that, here it is. It's not only is it pride cometh before the fall, but it's also the insurance policy of like, all right, before we get out there, I'm going to stab you a little, just, just to make sure I got a, the, the uh, like. There is like, it's that final thing where like, if there is ever a, sh- if there's anyone in the audience watching the movie who thinks that there's like a shred of decency in Commodus to like die like a man. Because we all know he's going to die. There's no way this movie ends with a with these two guys in the ring and Commodus not just getting his head just like lopped yeah. off in the first five seconds. It it's the secure. It's like it's the it's the security deposit for the apartment that's about to be blown up because you know exactly like you're going to get like you're not getting your money back. Mm-hmm. He knows he's going out, so he yeah. tries to like give himself the little edge, and you're like, no. Nah. I mean that is. That to me is always one of those moments, and you're like, I remember watching when I was when when I was younger, and the subsequent times I've watched it, I've always been really disappointed. I'm like, that sucks. Like we don't get to see, we don't get to see Maximus really like do what he. But then I this time I watched it and I realized this is what Maximus wants to do. Like Maximus really doesn't want revenge. Maximus wants to go, and I think the more I thought about it, the more I realized like. It doesn't matter because one, he was gonna win anyways. But he's already won, even by like, even by being sucker punched, so to speak, by Commodus. He's yeah. already won because he's already well, gone. There's, there's a infinite tragedy in when he does that. We know that Maximus is dead. The moment he stabs him, he's dead. And right. it's just, can he? exact enough right because when the sister comes out and she goes is rome worth the life of one good man and i felt like the answer for me was no no not really like maximus farming with his kid because it's not one good man it's also that wife and kid and all these other people that are left behind yep um there is no one great man without you know this trail of carnage behind him and so there's this hollow false platitude as these two men just lie dead on the floor. Also, like, just imagine that scene, right? Like, imagine if Trump had to get in the ring and it's like, I'm going to fucking fight some reporter from CNN to the death on TV. And you just saw your, like, government leader get punched in the face. You'd be like, what the fuck? Actually, you know what I think about he a lot? he whoops his ass bad. <laughs> Actually, you know what I think about a lot? I think about that. When he did, like, when Trump did the WWE stuff for a minute and got, like, fucking pulverized that one time. Oh, no, what... he was he was the winner. When he did it, he was, like, beating up Vince McMahon. Right, no, but there is that clip where he gets fucking decked. That was, he like, got the... stone cold stunned. He yeah. got kicked in the nuts. Like, there's that one beat. <laughs> a president like, of the United States. That's amazing. I was like, that's, like, that's always the vibe I get from that. Yeah. Yeah. Stunning. Well, no, our politics are so much... I guess you would say better, but it was like 
I remember Trump and Biden, they're like, who can do more push-ups? And I'm like, they're 70. If they just like put their hands on the ground, like Trump's tits are already on the floor. Biden's built like Skeletor. Like, what are we talking about? Do you guys think this is cool? Can we fucking do better in this world? Right. Neither here nor there. But I was like, this is like a wild fucking decision that like the leader of our government, a man who deems himself a god, is going to fight this guy in a fucking dirt stadium. And when he asked for help, all of the soldiers, Quintus, all of a sudden, you know, not being a gigantic dingleberry, was like, no, don't help him. And I was like, oh, cool. You found your courage and your little fucking purple satchel. Good job, dude. You fucking loser. Uh, And then, yeah, communist gets beat the fuck up and murdered because Maximus was always going to kill him. And I do think there's a wonderful poetry to that moment right as strange it as it is maximus or or commodus has always skated on just getting by on being who he is and lying and cheating and stealing and conniving and having ambition right mm-hmm. and i love the helplessness on his face in that moment and the idea that commodus thought this would be how they would finally love him yeah and the last thing we see of him is he's just left on the dirt floor like a sack of shit. Just. And just it's it's wonderful. Like, that's a great fucking choice, man. It is. And then, yeah, I thought another really cool choice in that moment. So as their leader is getting murdered, the stadium just goes absolutely silent. Yeah. They're not cheering and ah, like they and that, were at the Battle of Carthage. And that one guy, those two guys at the top who are us are like, I can finally hear what's going on down there. This is great. <laughs> oh, my God. Was this going on the whole time? What Holy a shit, dramatic was this story? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so she knew him and who's the kid's dad? I don't know. Wait what. a second. Yeah. Who are these people? But, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think. I thought that was cool, man. The uh, hey, is it your home ending? Yeah, I, I thought that was just because that's the thing. It, it there's no way that the movie Gladiator ends happily for the Gladiator. No, not a chance. It's just it, but it gets there as poetically as I hoped, right? Yeah. And I love that finally seeing him walking through his fields towards his family was great, man. But what really got me, because you think it's over, right? You're like, that's a great final image. Yeah. Is when uh, Jamon Hasu, is that how you say it? Jamon, yeah, Jamon Hansu. Yeah, he's outside and he. Oh, uh, uh, that's always. He buries great... the little figurines, the little wooden figurines of his family. Mm-hmm. And he just goes, um, I will see you again, but, but not yet. yet. And I was like, that gets you. Man. What a. Like, for a movie that really kind of ends in the arena, essentially, what a great tag, though. Like, that is, like, that is an all-timer, like, yeah. that is an all-timer, like, how to tag a movie. There it is, man. Well, it's it's a fairly nihilistic ending. You're like, so the moral of the story is that the wrong man fucking cripples the government in fighting for the Republic. God only knows what the military is about to do. This feels like it could go bad, right? Right. Um. The blood on the sand ending is not like, well, that's settled. Everything's going to be cool now because some dying old man had a wish. The right. last time that motherfucker said his wish out loud, things went really bad. We just spent two hours watching that. I think that the Hasu moment is a way to show that at least this suffering led one man, right? right. To be able to hopefully get that moment that Maximus never gets. That he will walk home and embrace his daughter and get to eat the food that they're making and, you know, have that life again. Right. And so I think it's just a much needed little, like, you know, dumb and dumber spray of Banaka at the end of this fucking movie that is really sad, man. Not a lot of movies pull off the, yeah, the hero you love is fucking dead at the end of the movie. And his journey was maybe for nothing. Um, There is a chance that the guy after Comatus was Caligula. And you're like, you know. I don't know. Some guy like that. Like, is that way better? I, But the way I would summarize this movie is it's just it, it doesn't shy away from all of the the blood and guts and dirt and sand, the horrible shit that's happening in this society. 
but so many of the characters are looking up knowing that they can make it better. And even if they can't, the fact that they keep fighting, right, does matter. Because I think most of us in this life desperately feel like there's always someone left to fight. Yeah. And we desperately want to know that it's worth the cost of one good man, uh, which is us as our people, right? That at the end, our fight will matter to someone somewhere. And that the fact that we stuck it out helped, even if it's only you know one person and so i I think it's just i don't know man i I sometimes movies this good are just hard because you're just like yeah every scene is fucking awesome (laughs) like everything about it is great and i mean again it's just there's this is a so this is the thing too the year it came out it is one of i think five Five movies that have won Best Picture that did not win screenplay or director. Yeah, but it's, that's the power. Who won of, director that year? Do you have that pulled up? Yeah, it was Soderbergh for Traffic. That just breaks my fucking heart. But uh, to me, that is the <laughs> to me that's the power of that's the power of this movie. Though, look, I yeah. by the way, I love Steven Soderbergh. But I do too. And, the power of Gladiator right. and what it is and how it and again, like traffic is a very complicated movie yeah. about the narcotics system from all sides in the US and Mexico. Sure. Gladiator is about something we all relate to, which is not just about revenge yeah. and not just about geopolitics and so on and so forth. It's also about love. A lot of love in this film. Just so much amour. <laughs> That's not blood pouring out. That's amour juice uh, staining the Coliseum. <laughs> no, uh, again, and you know what? No, I'm, I'm not here. I'm not here to shit on traffic. Not at all. But Gladiator won the war, right? Like, if I still talk about Gladiator with people. We still quote the movie. It's beloved. I have not heard someone mention the film Traffic before this podcast probably since the year it came out like it just was gone and you know a lot of time i'm a i'm an a real lover of the oscars right unlike most people especially people our age right like i'm i'm the last of a dying breed it feels like so i'm not here to relitigate it man gladiator got its love and prop and respect and it's just wonderful man and i'm honestly glad the patrons selected gladiator today i would love to have talked about uh pet cemetery as well but yeah that real romantic hey breed. that is a more of a different kind exactly that's awesome. out of theme how fucking do you sometimes rum's better that's all i'll say <laughs> in this thing yeah what if uh they had buried russell crowe and he just came back and he's like his dad had to syringe him and shit that'd be great oh is that the long gestating sequel copy god yeah the thought that ridley scott's like you know what we need more of is gladiator without richard harris oliver reed russell crowe or joaquin phoenix is maybe the dumbest sequel in i mean and granted there are a lot of dumb sequels this sounds like the dumbest need for i don't know if you ever i don't know if you ever read about like the original because like for a while universal was trying to figure out how to do another one of these and They it's talked really about, hard when you kill off all of the best characters. They talked even Proximo got a death. I forgot pitch, to mention that. The pit. I, I've read the. There's an art. There's an article online about like what the insane pitch was for Gladiator Two, and the headline. More most important of all, when they pitched it was Maximus is back. Like, and like it, now we're talking witchcraft, <laughs> and I'm in. So. Maybe we'll yeah. be watching. Gladiator what if it's too? like a low key God of War test run and he's just fucking people up in the afterlife? All right. That I am fully here for. I Maximus is back. Oh, my God. That sounds like it would be on the box of the porn parody of Gladiator. <laughs> Glad he ate whore. Maximus is back in your back In your back. <laughs> Maximus is in your back. Maximus is back and he's in your guts. With his little hard up in them guts, sword. up in them guts. <laughs> I would honestly, 
I would watch oh, that shit. film. That's enough of us. Uh, that's enough of a moor. My heart can't take the the pain of loved love lost anymore. So guys, this is the end of uh, the pod is loved and lost curation. Next month, the pod digs Del Toro. All Del Toro films. So absolutely excited. We've had some great talks. I hope you guys will be excited to join us for that. Uh, you can join us on our Patreon, patreon.com slash pod to help get a, a voice in selecting the movies you want to hear us talk about specifically. Uh, even a dollar is greatly appreciated, guys. Any support is wonderful, and we thank you guys in advance. The email, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. The YouTube, filmalchemist. Uh, we're on all the socials you're on. Please leave a five-star rating and review wherever you find us. That's it, guys. That's it for uh, the pod is loved and lost. It's been a wonderful journey. I gotta, I gotta decompress from this gladiator uh, pump up. Yeah, you so the, you got all the vapors. I got the fucking vapors. Without further ado, for the film alchemist, I'm Josh Griffey. I'm Alex Tanfield.